All right. Hello and welcome. I'm Mr. Pumpkin. You're now listening to the new podcast channel that I'm developing for Manassas Park High School's Earth Science. Here you can expect some review and basic breakdowns of some of the topics we'll be talking about Earth Science. And I hope that this will be a useful tool for you all uh, to have to review some of these topics after we get done in lecture. Or even if you may have missed one of the days of class, you can come back here and get a pretty decent breakdown of what we're talking about. And most of these podcasts I'm going to be uh, doing, I'll be attaching the lecture notes that we'll have worked through for that day, and I will go through them fairly briefly, possibly breaking down some other topics in a pretty decent and simple way to try and give some review for you all if you take the moment, uh, take the time to actually listen to these. For this first podcast, in fact, we're going to be talking about minerals. Uh, minerals are, as you may remember, inorganic solids that are basically made up of a combination of different elements. And these are the building blocks for everything on Earth, more or less. Everything solid on Earth, at least. Uh, they make up the Earth's crust and the rocks on Earth. And they become very important when we talk about the rock cycle and rocks themselves. To start off with when we're talking about minerals, we need to kind of give some characteristics to define what a mineral is. Because not everything on the world is a mineral. In fact, there are a great deal many things that are not. But first off, for something to be a mineral, it must be naturally occurring, which means that it has to happen in nature. It cannot be artificial or it cannot be man-made. It has to occur naturally in nature. Secondly, it must be inorganic. That means that it could never be alive, never was alive, and will never will be alive. We've talked about inorganic versus organic things before, and the way that I typically like to break them down is if you think of organic, remember, if you have organs in you or if something has organs in it, it is alive or it could have been dead. At this point, it could be alive or dead, right? But if something never had organs in it, if it's inorganic, then it has never been alive and will never be alive. Thusly, minerals are inorganic because they have never been alive and will never be alive. Thirdly, for something to be a mineral, it must be solid. It must be hard and breakable. Liquids cannot be minerals. Gases cannot be minerals. It must be solid. Fourthly, they must also have a definite chemical composition. It has to have the same chemicals making it up all across. If, for some example, you have something like salt, which we also call halite as a mineral here. That is sodium and chloride bonded together again and again and again and again. It has to have sodium and chloride bonded to itself to be halite. If, for example, it had sodium chloride and then some other random molecule or chemical within it as well, it would no longer be a mineral or would be a mixture of two or more minerals. So for something to be a mineral, it must have a definite chemical composition. It must have the same chemicals throughout. This is why I call minerals solid chemicals. Lastly, and the one that gets a little bit more complicated and that we're not going to get into the details here, it has to have a crystalline structure. So for something to have a crystalline structure, that means that the shapes that the atoms themselves, the elements themselves, make when they bond together are repeating patterns. Those repeating patterns move from the inside out, from the atoms out, and show patterns of structure all the way to the largest scale. Uh, that's really complicated to put it that way. 
But the idea is for something going back to halite or going back to sodium chloride, if you remember the nice big block of ice looking stone that I've shown most of you all, it has sodium chloride bonded sodium chloride and it likes to form in cubes. Since it likes to form in cubes at a very small, very atomic element level, the very bottom level, those cubes build with one another like Legos or building blocks all the way out to form a cube or in this case, usually rectangular structure. Now, while all minerals must have these five characteristics, these five characteristics do not help us very much in di differentiating or telling the difference between different minerals. Since we had know that a mineral must have a definite chemical composition, and there are many different minerals, we have to find another set of traits to be able to identify what mineral we're looking at. Each mineral is unique. So we have five traits that we're going to break down in some more detail today. And five traits that if you were with us last Friday, you actually had the chance to study in the class. Uh, the first one being the most obvious one. When you're looking at something, the, the first thing you usually will see is the color or the shape of the object. For us, we're looking at color. A color can tell us a lot about what the mineral it is. We're also going to look at hardness. Now, don't get confused. Hardness is not how hard it is to break. It is how hard it is to scratch an object, how hard it is to damage an object. Thirdly, we'll look at streak. This gets a little bit more complicated, but the idea is that a mineral's color, when it's a solid object, is different from when the mineral's color when it is broken down into a powder. For streak, we break little pieces off on a streak plate to look at the color of the powder instead. Fourthly, we care about the cleavage or fracture. So to put this simply, we care if the edges or the outside of the mineral seem mostly flat or mostly broken and rough. Because all minerals have crystalline structure, they have crystals that build them up, some of them have stronger crystalline structure than others. Stronger crystalline structure will lead to boxy shapes with flat sides. Less chemical or less strong chemical structure or more random chemical structure leads to crystals but more fluid crystals are more rounded and broken up crystals. So things like mm, magnetite, uh, this will be very rough with broken off edges at all sides instead of having flat sides like calcite or halite. And lastly, another more complicated one is luster. This is how the mineral shines. I break this down into two main groups, although you could break down one of them much further. Metallic or non-metallic? Is it very shiny like a metal, like aluminum, like silver, like any precious metal? Or is it not shiny? Is it just kind of clear or waxy or earth or dull? Now, if we're considering the color of a mineral, it's fairly simple. It's the color that we see with that mineral. The problem is, while this is the easiest thing to see, and it does tell us quite a bit for figuring out what mineral we're looking at, we can't base an identification off of a color. This is mostly because a lot of different minerals have the same color or at least similar enough that it becomes subjective or personal to you which mineral has which color. For example, calcite and halite are both white and clear, sometimes cloudy. They also have flat sides and all these other things. 
It's very difficult to identify them from one another just based on color without doing more tests on the other traits. If, for example, I had two minerals that I didn't know which were which, I could now, instead of just looking at color, I could look at hardness. I could try and scratch both minerals. If I cannot scratch it, or if it is not able to be scratched by the item I'm using, it is harder than the item I'm using because it could probably scratch the item I'm using while the mineral would be safe. If it is scratched by whatever I'm using to scratch it with, it is softer than the item I am scratching it with. This gets kind of complicated when you try to keep all of this in your mind at once, right? Because you're starting to get an identification based on what it is or how it's hardness to other things. You're looking at a relative scale. Because it gets kind of weird trying to say like, well, this mineral is harder than this and this mineral is softer than this. We break down this idea of hardness or how easily or how hard it is to scratch a mineral to with something called the Mohs hardness scale, ranked from one to 10. One being very, very soft and it can be scratched by something as soft as my fingernail to 10 being some of the hardest things on earth or the hardest things to scratch like diamonds. If you're following along right now with the actual notes or the PowerPoint, which I'll attach below, or if you're just sitting along listening in the car ride home or on the bus ride to school, whichever, uh, this hardness scale basically is a one to 10 with one being something like talc, which is almost like chalk, 10 being diamonds, of course, but there's so much of a range in between. Uh, next, after we've looked at a mineral's color, after we looked at how hard it is to scratch a mineral, we now have something else to look into to try and identify a mineral. We can look at a mineral streak. Now, as I said earlier, a mineral streak is the color of the mineral's powder. It means when you scratch that mineral or when you break apart that mineral, the little pieces of it that aren't bonded together now are usually a different color. This different color can tell you more about that mineral than just looking at the color of the mineral itself. Now keep in mind, you can only have a streak for a mineral that you can break into a powder. This will only be with minerals that are softer than the streak plates that we use, or the porcelain plates that we use. That means anything harder than 7 on the Mohs hardness scale will not have a streak. Things like quartz, things like diamonds, these don't have streaks because they cannot be scratched by the streak plate. Most importantly, Mineral, uh, minerals that have metal in them will usually leave a streak and usually be gray or a darker color or a shinier color. And lastly, don't assume um, that the color of the streak will be the same as the mineral. They're usually not. To talk about fracture, fracture versus cleavage again, these are terms that we use to describe how mineral breaks because we're geologists or because we're scientists, we like to put terms to just about everything that we use. And that's okay, because we need words to be able to describe what we're looking for or what we're looking at. If, for example, we say a mineral has cleavage, we're saying that that mineral breaks along smooth, flat surfaces. That means that it'll look box-like, or maybe like an octagon or a rectangle, but it'll look like it's a shape, it has sides. Fracture, on the other hand, I like to say looks like broken glass, or even better, just like some piece of rock that's just been shattered or broken with rough edges that don't really make much sense if we were to try and say that they're a shape.
fracture, we usually have this breakage along very jagged lines. To talk about fracture, fracture versus cleavage again, these are terms that we use to describe how mineral breaks. Because we're geologists or because we're scientists, we like to put terms to just about everything that we use. And that's okay, because we need words to be able to describe what we're looking for or what we're looking at. If, for example, we say a mineral has cleavage, we're saying that that mineral breaks along smooth, flat surfaces. That means that it'll look box-like, or maybe like an octagon or a rectangle, but it'll look like it's a shape. It has sides. Fracture, on the other hand, I like to say looks like broken glass, or even better, just like some piece of rock that's just been shattered or broken with rough edges that don't really make much sense if we were trying to say that they're a shape. Fracture, we usually have this breakage along very jagged lines. Lastly, for our main five traits we are going to use to identify minerals, or that we have used to identify minerals, is luster. And luster, again, is how a mineral shines. How does it reflect the light back to our eyes? If it shines like a metal, that's fairly simple. We call it metallic. It has a metallic luster. If it does not shine like a metal, we say that it's non-metallic. Now, usually, this is where we're going to kind of stop with this. Metallic for something that shines like a metal, and non-metallic for something that does not. There's other words that we'll use for non-metallic here. Things like dull, for something that shines not at all. Something like chalk, something like talc, sulfur. So minerals are earthy. Now, I believe this is more subjective, so some people might have a different description for earthy than others. But generally, I say that something that looks like dirt, or something that has some flux of color in it, I would say would be earthy. Pearly, it's more simple. If something looks like a marble, or if something looks like it has color and swirls of color and still some shine to it, finer size, I would say it looks pearly. And if you have something that's clear or has some shine to it, it looks more like plastic or looks like even like glass, then we say that it is waxy. These still reflect light, but they don't reflect light anywhere near as much as a metal would or like a mirror would. Now, finally, while we won't always have the opportunity to test everything about a mineral, there are some other neat properties that we should go over because they're, frankly, very interesting. Um, some minerals are magnetic. That means that they have some sort of iron in them or other metal that can have a pole that is north and south. And it's oriented north and south and act like a magnet. In fact, if you have a really good piece of magnetite, it can attach paper clips to it and hold them fairly well. Some minerals, like calcite, have a feature called double refraction. This means that once you look through it, it's almost like a funhouse mirror. It'll move writing or it'll move things on the other side over just to the right or just to the left because of the way the light is bouncing through the mineral as you look through it. Some minerals effervesce. This is a more complicated idea, but if you took a mineral and it had calcium in it, or a certain type of calcium um, uh, mineral family in it. You could pour very weak acid on it, and it would cause it to bubble, to smoke, and give off a small gas. This would be the calcium breaking down by the chemical reaction with the acid. We didn't do much of this in class, but it is a cheap property nonetheless. Fluorescence is also a very interesting one. Sometimes a mineral's chemicals within it 
are bent or are directed in such a way that when black light hits them, it'll give off bright, beautiful colors. Again, not something we really had too much chance to talk about in class, but a very neat feature that many minerals have. Lastly, well, less of a neat property and more of just a much more scientific or much more quantitative way of identifying a mineral is something called specific gravity. With specific gravity, we find the ratio of density of a mineral. We find the density of the mineral with its mass and volume, right? Remember your density triangle? Versus the density of water. And if you remember, the density of water being 1.0 grams per milliliter. Now, if we can figure out the density of an object, which tells us a lot about what that object is made out of, we can compare that to water, and it will be very consistent. With this, we wouldn't have to scratch, we wouldn't have to look at color, we wouldn't have to look at anything else, but then we're doing a whole lot of math. That's a little less fun, but a lot more scientific way of looking at a mineral. Now, that's all I have for you guys today for what a mineral is and the traits of which we look at a mineral, the properties of a mineral for identification. Hopefully this helped you. If you had the, or if you missed uh, the opportunity to be with us on last Friday to look at the notes or be with us during lecture, hopefully this gave a little bit more detail to the notes themselves. If you have any other questions, feel free to reach me. You should know how to. And hopefully this is some use to you. Uh, look forward to more of these podcasts soon where I'll be doing a brief overview of some lectures and maybe even going through some room in the future. Uh, with me putting this out there, please get back to me if you have any suggestions and what else you might like to hear from me or some other way that I could get my information out to you. Otherwise, have a wonderful night, and I hope to see you all in our science. Peace out.